You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. In this series, Grace, we explore the undeserved gifts that God gives us for His glory and our good. Today, we're going to continue working through um, this idea of faith in future grace, that, that grace is always coming towards us. Kind of last week was giving us some foundations um, of this idea. Today is going to be very practical. I've taken um, this, again, this is all coming from a book called Faith and Future Grace by John Piper. Um, not all of it. Some of it's me studying and, and working through it also and trying to make it applicable to, to us here today. Um, so it's, it's a book called Faith and Future Grace. So if you just take those words, faith and future grace, faith I'm de- defining this way, and it'll be up on the screen. It says, receiving Christ as a supremely valuable treasure that he is, and being satisfied with all that God promises to be for us in him. So when we say we're having faith, this is what we have faith in, that Christ covers everything, right? He's everything for us. He is supremely valuable treasure because we know that oftentimes our hearts get tripped up because we value other things or we get caught up in, in, in loving things of this world and that kind of trips us up. And so it's, it's looking at him and seeing him as, as supremely valuable and then also looking at, okay, then because all the promises in the Bible are yes in, in, in Christ then we're putting faith in these promises as we walk into our future. Because the only life all of us have to live right now is in the future, right? It's, so it's faith in the future, which is every, every moment that we have to live from now until Jesus comes back or he takes us home to be with him. And it's walking in that grace that he has lavished or poured out on us. And we've been talking about grace for several weeks, and we have defined it this way. It's two sides of a coin. The first side is unmerited favor. That's all the wonderful good gifts that God has given us for our good and to glorify Him. It's, it's a, that's also kind of a, a two-sided coin. So one side is, is His unmerited favor. The other side is the power to do what we cannot do on our own. It's, there's power there. There's power to sever that sin. Yes, Christ has forgiven us. But we know that we are being sanctified. So 10 minutes from now, 20 minutes from now, you know, an hour, two hours from now, 10 days from now, we need the grace of God to help us walk in order to glorify him. It's kind of, we, we looked at that with Enoch and walking, walking with God. This is kind of what it means to walk with God. So let's do some really practical things this morning. So let's just look at a verse in 1 Peter. We're going to kind of settle in on Matthew 6 and look at what Jesus said about anxiety. Um, But let me just try to to set your mind. And I want to kind of do this over and over again to try to hopefully that that you'll start picking up kind of what I'm putting down, so to speak. Like, okay, I'm tracking with you. And, And I'm just going to do this over and over again so hopefully we can start seeing this. Because, man, when you start seeing this and you start doing this, there is such freedom, there's such joy, such power in in believing in this. So how does this practically work? Let me give you 1 Peter 4.11. Just just walk with me. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Peter's talking about those that serve. So right now I am serving you. 
So how, how am I trusting in, how have I put my faith in God's future grace to get me through the next 30 minutes? How have I done that? Well, um, it's one thing that, that through the different preaching books I've learned, the one thing that stuck with me was actually one of Piper's things. It's, it's at tap. Right, So before I'm preaching, that, that towards about halfway through the last song, I stop singing and then I start praying. So, I, I, you know, A-P-T-A-T. So I, I admit, the first thing I do, and, and usually that starts, well, usually when I'm done preaching on Sunday, I start admitting that I can't do it next Sunday. That's just who Joe is, right? So I, I, I admit that I can do nothing without God, right? Then I, I pray for help. And then I, I'm praying for a specific promise. And today's promise, I prayed it back there on uh, whenever our prayer time at, at 10 o'clock. So I'm praying this promise. I know this, that no matter what, no matter how bad I flub it, and, and I'm going to flub some things, and, and you know, no, no matter how, what happens here in the next 30 minutes, if I give you God's word, I know this promise. That God said that his word is the sword of the Spirit, his Holy Spirit is dwelling in you if, if you're in Christ and that, the, that, that his word never comes back void. So I'm believing that promise. I'm believing that grace to sustain me for the next 30 minutes. So therefore I get up and I serve in the power of another because I'm believing what the promise said. And whenever I do things in the power of another in that specific another is God, then I am glorifying him while I do it. Right? So that's kind of, that's, that's everything that I'm trying to, to show you over the next several weeks, right? I'm trusting him that his grace will see me through the next 20 minutes. And just like a river, think of a river. If you step in, in the middle of a river, right, the, the river's coming at you and it's flowing to you. Well, that's God's grace. God's grace is flowing to you every second that you live from now until he takes you home. And that grace is pouring up and over you. And then it, it accumulates in some kind of a reservoir, just like every river does. Every river ends up in a dam or it ends up in the sea, but it's kind of a reservoir. So what happens is, is all that grace that comes to us, it pours up over us. It ends up in a reservoir. What do we do with the past grace that we have? We can look back. That's what we do at communion every Sunday. We look back at God's grace that he has already given us so that we can then build our faith, strengthen our faith to trust the grace that is about to come to us. This is walking in the spirit, walking with God, right? So now I can look back. I can trust that promise that I said to myself before I came up here. I can look back at the reservoir of grace of what? For the last three years, I'm coming up October 7th. It'll be three years since you guys have called me to be your lead pastor. And for the last three years, I've been praying, Lord, get me through whatever I need to get through. It, it was interesting how, how this has actually been shown to me by someone who moved to Florida. They, they called me up. They told me what they were doing. Like, man, my wife is, is just miserable. We're going to some warmer weather, right? I get that, especially if you're dealing with arthritis and different things. And, but, but he said, I, he says, like, I want to tell you something. He's like, man, whenever they move from the previous pastor to, to you, he's like, ah, I don't know, because I would only, you know, preach every once in a while. But he says, man, God's done something. 
He's changed something in you. Now, I know I got a ton way to go, right? <laughs> I got a, a ton way to go, but, but something's happened. Yeah. Because I was desperate. I was desperate to get through every single Sunday because the, the sermon's coming every single Sunday. And this is where I started believing and trusting that God's grace will meet me right here, right now, as we speak. And it's no different just because I'm standing up here. It's the same for all of you. Every single one of you will face something this coming week. Every single one of us. It's just whether or not we're going to step out and do it in our own power, or are we going to do it trusting and promising in his faith for his grace to be there. It's, it's walking with God. So living by faith and future grace is not a vague general sense that God will help me. Like, oh, God will help me. We all know that, right? It's, it's not that. I think it's more than that. That is true and is good, but more than that, what we find in the Bible are specific promises that are tailor-made to help us with severing the root of specific sins. And many times what happens when we get right up to that, to that point, and it's like, okay, how am I going to choose to live right now? Or how, is, how am I going to react to this situation? Am I going to be impatient? Am I going to get angry? Right? This is the grace that I'm talking about. There, there'll be grace right there for you to sever the sin so that you can live by the Spirit. Right? Because if we notice, many of the roots of our sin are the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. They're the opposite of it. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Think about your sins that you're struggling with. Can you not say that the root of just about all of those sins that you just, that one that came to mind, you can't say, oh, it's the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. Well, yes. You're disobeying God. You're quenching the Spirit. You're grieving the Spirit in many ways. So what I'm trying to show us and what I'm trying to, for us to see is if we're believing in that promise and we're trusting in that promise, we're putting our faith in the grace that'll be there. Maybe when we're up to that point where we usually snap and yell at our wife or yell at our kids or do something that's not self-controlled, that maybe that promise and that grace will help us sever the root of sin and we can continue to walk in his grace. In the Lord. And, and when, when we do that, then we, what, we, we bring glory to him. We bring glory to him. As part of what we read in Psalms today, God wants us to know his word to be able to take a specific promise and lay it on a specific temptation of sin and kill the root of it before we fall into that sin. Psalms 119, 9-11 says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. According to your word. In other words, he's living a life according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, the psalmist is saying, okay, your word is going to prevent me from sinning because when I get up to that, that point, your word's going to come to mind and, and sever the root of sin. This is why in our D groups, we're asking that you would try to memorize some sort of scripture because we want to hide God's word in 
in our hearts. And why is that good? Because we have another promise. What is that promise? When Jesus left the earth, he says, I'm going to send you another one exactly like me, the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will be your counselor. That Holy Spirit will bring all truth to you. That Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I have said. It's a promise that we can believe in and trust in, put our faith in, that that grace of that promise will be there exactly when we need it. Exactly when I need it. So today we're going to look at the sin of anxiety. I know that's going to raise some eyebrows. We mean anxiety, sin? Well, yes, it is. Not all anxiety, I don't believe, is sin, but I think the majority of anxiety that we feel is sin. However, the majority of anxiety we face on a daily basis is unbelief in God's security for us. In other words, we're feeling anxious about something because we're not trusting in God for something. That's probably 90% of the anxiety that we feel on a daily basis. Now, like I said, I do believe that there's some anxiety that happens that is just not sin, right? It's not sin. It can come from physical conditions like a disease or, or maybe a thyroid issue, or there can actually be good anxiety, right? Because oftentimes anxiety comes right along with fear, right? If you're, you know, I, I know use this illustration a lot, but if you're walking in the woods and the bear comes out, <laughs> you've got to decide what you're going to do. And there's probably fear there and there's probably anxiety there. Well, you're going to take that and you're going to run. And that's good <laughs> that you run and protect yourself, right? And if you're with somebody, you just run faster than them, right? I just want to see if you guys are awake. So let's take a look at what Jesus said about anxiety and see how we can sever the root of sin with faith and future grace out of Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Let me read it and um, I'll pray real quick and we'll continue on. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single eye to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is uh, alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father know that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let me pray. Father, we just, again, ask for your help. Lord, for your spirit, we'll trust in that promise that we know that your word as it goes out, it does not come back void, Lord, that you will always do what you want done through your spirit in the lives of those that hear your word. And Father, we're trusting in that. We're believing in that today. Lord, I pray that those, and I'm one of them, who struggle with, with anxiety, Lord, I just pray that we will see the, the root of the sin in, in many cases and, and how the faith in future grace will help us in this. It'll help us. 
That's my only desire today, Lord, is to give everybody a tool to, to help them through each day. And Lord, I know you desire that also. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I would like to do with the rest of our time is first put our finger on the root of anxiety, then look at this passage for some of the promises that are within it, and then maybe take a look at a couple specific passages that give us help with specific anxieties. So we're just kind of look at the root of it. Um, we're going to look at a different, couple different things. There's like seven in this passage, but I'm only going to look at three. Um, and then look at a couple different specific ways that we can use the word to fight anxiety through believing the promises of God's future grace. So, put a finger on the root of anxiety. We can see this if we look at two scriptures and think of them through for our everyday life. And we're going to put those up on the screen for you and, and back to back. So, you have Matthew 6.34 and Lamentations 3.22 through 23. So, let's, let me just read them and, and show you what, again, through the book, <laughs> I had helped seeing and, and just working through this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Limitations 3, 22 through 23 says this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So we'll leave those scriptures up there so that we can, we can kind of look at those. So Piper says this right out of the book. In God's economy for his elect, there is a perfect correspondence between the amount of trouble planned for you and the amount of mercy to sustain you in those troubles. So there's a perfect correspondence between the amount of troubles planned for you for the rest of this day and for tomorrow and the next day and the next day, and the mercies that are there, the grace that is there for you to sustain you through that day, right? There's, they're perfectly aligned in God's economy, right? Because we know that there's going to be trouble tomorrow, right? Count on it. Acts 14.22 says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. But as tomorrow comes or the rest of today comes, there will be new mercies, grace waiting for you when you get up tomorrow morning that equal the exact amount of trouble that is planned for you. Do you see where anxiety starts to happen? So what God has said is this. When you got up today, in his sovereign providence, there was X amount of troubles planned for you. <laughs> that's, that's big God. And he also said, because you are my child, there's X amount of grace, mercies, planned for you to meet every single one of those troubles. So how does anxiety happen? It's whenever we start worrying about yesterday, or we start thinking about tomorrow, whenever we don't have the mercies or the grace, right, to deal with those troubles that may come tomorrow. We don't have the capacity to do so because God has not given us those mercies. That's, that's what the passage says. It says in Matthew 6, 34, sufficient for today is its own trouble. And the lamentation says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. 
They are new every morning. So the, the root of our anxiety is whenever it's 11.21 a.m. on Sunday, and I, I've, I've been given troubles for today, things that, that, that are going to trouble me, and when I got up, God has given me mercies to match those. He's given me grace to match those, but I'm sitting here worried about what's happening tomorrow, and then we become anxious. We start worrying about it. But what we've done is we've stopped trusting in what God's word says. Because God says that when you get there tomorrow, brother and sister, his grace, his mercies going to meet you there. Because they're new every single morning. They're with you every single morning. Right? So this is kind of like the reality of things. This is what's happening. But we don't often experience that, do we? And I'm saying, how do we experience that? How do we walk through a day experiencing that? Well, I believe it's, it's trusting in putting our faith in the promises. There's one of them. I know that no matter what you're going to face tomorrow, that his mercies are there to get you through. And by the way, through that, he's going to accomplish his good for you as a child of God. And it might not line up with what we believe is good, right? But it is good for you. That's where anxiety stems. That's the, the root of it. It is, it is worrying about, thinking about, not trusting in the tomorrow, whatever you're going to face, or maybe worrying about what just happened and the ramifications of it. And then we get anxious. And we get melancholy and down because we're, we're worried about it. So what is it that we can tangibly think of and hold on to and trust in and put our faith in? Well, it's his promises. His promise, his mercy never comes to an end. It never comes to an end. It's not going to run out. His mercy will never run out. His grace that he pours out on you will never run out. They are new every morning. So we fight against the sin, the unbelief, having anxiety by this kind of thinking. So let me give us, let me just a small rabbit trail. And I, I just, I don't want to be um, like uh, authoritative in, 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 in putting anything down here. I just, just want to give you something to think about. Okay. Um, just a small rabbit trail. So what, I, what I'm thinking here is, is very much what Jesus experienced when, when Satan came and tempted him in the, in the desert, is it not? Satan came and said, if you do this, then I will give you this, right? How did he fight that? How did he fight that lie from Satan? He fought the lie through the word of God. He quoted the word of God to him, right? And that's in essence kind of what we're doing. In essence, what I'm trying to show you is, is tomorrow, as, as you get up tomorrow and you're believing in the promise for whatever fits, whatever you're going to walk into, that you're fighting, right? You're fighting that with the word of God, right? Matthew 4.34 says, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the son of God, command these stones to be, become loaves and bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
That's how we are to live. The grace that comes from, from his word, the grace that we're walking into. And let me just stretch you a bit. Um, what I have experienced and what I have witnessed is most anxiety is caused by thinking many times untrue thoughts. Is it not? I mean, that's a lot of times when I'm doing counseling and, and, I'm, and I'm talking with people or, or I'm you know, looking into my own heart, my own anxiety, what I'm doing is I'm playing out all these scenarios and I'm thinking through all these things. And most of the time, 90% of that is, is not true, Right? It's kind of anxiety that, that through our minds that we're, we're, we're constantly turning at everything. So who is the father of lies? Well, it's Satan. What is the playbook from the beginning of Satan? It's to tell a lie to Eve to take the fruit. He's the father of lies. He's consistently and always after God's children Again, I'm stretching you because some of us don't believe that there's this warfare happening all around us. But it's real. It's spiritual. It affects us every day. In fact, Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is the battleground that's happening. So we got anxiety coming at us because we're thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. And most of what we're thinking about is probably not true. And I'm saying maybe, just maybe. Maybe there's something happening more than what we believe, what our culture has taught us, happens when we get anxious. Maybe there's something spiritual happening here. Right? Maybe there's something spiritual happening. I believe that that's true. I believe that, that Satan is real. <laughs> I believe that his number one thing that he does is he tempts us, he lies. And it's whether or not our hearts grab onto that or not. And, and so many times I think. So much of our anxiety is built up because we're just lying to ourselves or we're believing a lie being told to us. What we are to do, we're, we're to renew our minds, right? We are to think differently. I mean, R.C. Sproul made a whole, he thought that was so important, he named his whole ministry, Renewing Your Mind. Paul said it in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And Paul also said in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So this process of renewing our mind, of, of hiding the word in our heart, is so that we can pull a promise when needed. We put our faith in that promise. And then as we walk into that situation, or we walk into our day, we're, we're trusting the promise that the grace is going to be there for that point in time. To, in order to sever the root of sin of anxiety, we must believe that I'm not 
that I am only getting help for today. And when the anxious thought about tomorrow or yesterday comes to mind, we kill it with a promise from God. In order to sever the root of the sin of anxiety, we must believe that I am only getting help for today. And when the anxious thought about tomorrow or yesterday comes to mind, we kill it with a promise from God. So what are some of the promises that we see in this passage? What are some of the promises that that we can hide in our heart? Well, in Matthew 6, we have a specific anxiety about food and clothing, right? Even in America, with the extensive um, welfare system, this anxiety still exists. It's, It's still valid. But there's some principles within here that we can apply to other things in our lives. And Jesus gives us the root. It's the lack of faith. But Jesus says in verse 30 that the root is the lack of faith. O you of little faith. O you of little faith. Again, let me look at three of these that that are within here. The first promise is an argument that Jesus and Paul both use a lot. And that is an argument from the greater to the lesser. So this is a... This is a type of promise. It's all through the Bible. It's from the greater to the lesser. It's, it's a promise within an argument, right? But it's still a promise that we can trust in, that we can believe in. It, look at Matthew six twenty five. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So the greater thing that God has done, we'll see that in the last last sentence of, of verse 25. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So the two things that he has done for us, the greater things that he has done is he's given us life and he has given us a body. Those are the two greater things that we can, we can say, okay, I'm believing in those because those are greater things. So therefore, these other things that he's promised to give us, there should be no sweat for him, Right? It's an argument from the greater to the greater. Because God has done the greater thing, then we can trust, put our faith in the promise that he will provide food and give you clothing. The promise does not say that God will supply the resources to keep all the stuff that we have accumulated. But he says that he's definitely going to make sure that we have clothing and we have food and what have you. So... It's a promise from the greater to the greater. In other words, we can believe this promise. We can trust in this promise because he has given us life. He has given us a body. So for if he's done that, then there is no problem for him to clothe us and give us food. It's a promise to hold on to. It's a promise to believe in. Whenever you get anxious about maybe your, your eyes have been cut back at work or, or maybe because of all the COVID stuff and all the different things, you've lost your job. Well, this is a, a promise to believe in whenever anxiety creeps into your life and you don't believe that God's going to take care of you. Well, you can go back to this and say, look, he says right here, he will do so. Put your faith in that and then walk in the grace that will provide it for you. The second promise is God knows your needs. Not only is this great God who gave me life and gave me a body will give me those things. He knows all our needs. Right? He knows all our needs. Verses 31 to 32. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? 
Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need them all. He knows that you need them. You can trust. You can put your faith in those promises. He knows all of them, and he, he is your heavenly Father. He is not indifferent to your situation. He cares for you as his child. He will act and supply your need when the time is best. And then the last one is if you give yourself to his plan and purpose, he will give you what you need. In other words, if, okay, if my life, I am to follow Jesus, if I am to, to give my life to whatever God has called me to do, then he will supply your need. If, if I'm giving my, my life to kingdom Minded things, kingdom work, and it doesn't mean that you got to work in a church. Don't don't hear that, please. That means that whatever you're doing tomorrow, you're doing it with a kingdom mindset, and you'll do it to glorify Him. If you're doing it, trusting in the grace that's going to be there for you as you walk through today, therefore you glorify Him because you're doing it in the power of another, and that another is Jesus. It's it's God Himself. In verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So seek him. It's a promise. Paul learned this lesson from Jesus and passed it on to the church in Philippi, which was our New Testament reading. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, be prayer, uh, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Then he gives them a promise of future grace in that same letter. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So he's telling them, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And how can I trust that? How can I believe that? How can I put my faith in that? Well, because he gives you a promise. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Faith in the future grace. If we live by faith in this promise of future grace, it will be very hard for anxiety to survive. God's riches and glory are inexhaustible. His riches and glory are inexhaustible. So we've seen the root of anxiety. We have looked at some of the promises within this passage. Now let's close our time together by looking at some specific anxieties and how faith and future grace, the promise of God, will sever the root of those anxieties. How about the anxiety of uselessness? Anything I do for the Lord is, is not good enough. I mean, that, that comes at us in, in many different ways. We miss a, we get up late and we miss our Bible reading and, and man, uh, this, this is, I'm just useless. I, I, I can't even do that. Or maybe you're, you're, you're reaching a, a, a coworker or a neighbor or a family member and you're consistently giving them the gospel and, and God has not moved yet. It's his prerogative to do so. And, and you're just like, man, this is, this is useless. I just feel useless. So how do you fight that anxiety of thinking that? 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers... 
Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, here's the promise. So, okay, so I've been working, I've been witnessing to my coworker for two months now. And it just is not getting anywhere. But I'm going to see him tomorrow because we work together, or her tomorrow. So how am I going to fight the anxiety that I know that what I'm supposed to be doing, right? But I know it's just it's failing. I feel useless. Well, you believe in the promise. Knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. So in other words, if you're doing it to glorify God, then everything that you do is not in vain. He's going to use it for your good, his glory, and maybe even to to save somebody. So whenever we get up, we're believing, we're trusting in this promise that his grace will meet us there whenever we're witnessing to that coworker or just loving on that coworker or whatever you you might be doing to, to witness to them. And you're trusting in that grace to be there. And you're giving it over to God. And and then the anxiety is lessened. You believe the promise. Nothing done in the name of the Lord for the glory of the Lord is in vain. Nothing is in vain. And at this point, you can even layer the promises. Because you can... Um, be trusting God for the promise that if I am in Christ, God is working in me, and all that I do is the power of another. You're, you're, now you're layering promises on top of promises on top of promises. And you're walking with God. Because the only way that you're going to enact these promises, you're actually going to be talking to Him. Prayer. As you walk through your day. Reminding yourself of His Word. Allowing his spirit to work through you. How about the anxiety of weakness? 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You're feeling weak, or you believe that you're weak, or you're, you're saying I'm too weak to do something? Well, okay, great, wonderful, rejoice. Because that means that if you accomplish it, you're going to do it in the power of another and he gets the glory. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, I am strong. You're trusting You're trusting in his promises. You're putting your faith in that future grace that's going to meet you there. So battling the anxiety of difficult decisions. Oh man, I got a hard decision to make. I don't know what to do. How do I work this out? How how do I put my faith in the future grace that will be there when I got to make that decision? And I pulled this straight from his book. So let's just follow along the thinking here. Do you have any difficult decisions in front of you and you don't know what's the best thing and you're anxious that you might make the wrong decision? What do you do with that anxiety? 
It's sin to be anxious. You attack it with faith and future grace by getting some particular promise about that issue. For example, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye open upon you. That's Psalm 32.8. So you take a promise. Now you're believing in that promise. That promise is saying that I'm going to counsel you. The God of the universe just said he's going to counsel you. Just take anxiety and just... If we believe it, that's the problem. A lot of times we just, we don't believe it. That's all of us. Let me go on. And you read that and you get on your face before the Lord and you say, I'm banking on that, Lord. I'm banking on your counsel. I'm banking on your instruction as I walk into this conversation and we have to make a decision. Or suppose you feel unworthy of the help of the Lord for your counsel. Maybe you're like, man, God isn't going to give me the counsel because he, I keep stumbling over this sin here. I keep stumbling. He's, he's just, I'm not going to him with this, you know. I, I'm not right before, well, you're always right before him because of Jesus. Well, maybe you, you, you trust in this. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and teaches the humble his way. Psalms 25, 8 and 9. So do you qualify for counsel of the Lord? Well, are you a sinner? Yes, we're all sinners. And how does that sin affect you? Does it make you proud so that you say, I'm really glad I'm a sinner? No, it humbles you. Okay, now you're a candidate for the counsel of God. Which is so encouraging because the devil is going to tempt you by saying that the promise of Psalms 32.8 doesn't apply to you because you're not good enough to get the counsel of God and to get the leadership of God. So you fight that lie with Psalm 25.8 and say, no, no, no. He said, because he's upright, he instructs sinners in the way and he leads the humble. So what he expects from me now is to regret my sin, be broken, be on my face, pleading for his help. And if I am broken for my sin and pleading for mercy, he's going to help me make this decision and anxieties go away. Do we have interactions like that with God? Maybe this is like falling, you know, I I don't know. Do we talk to God that way? Interacting with him, with, with his word? There's so much help for us. I know, it's like, man, I just, I just, I made it here today. Most of the people around here don't know the week I've had. You're right. I'm talking probably for all of us can say that. But man, there's so much help for us in his word, trusting that, that he'll actually do what he says he's going to do. And he will do it because he's God. I mean, are we beginning to see all that God has provided for us through his word, his spirit, and the work of Christ on the cross so we can follow the command that Jesus gave us? Do not be anxious. Faith and future grace, putting our trust in all that God is for us in Christ Jesus, the power waiting for us to sever the root of sin by trusting in his promises. How would your life change if you started living that way?
That, that interaction that I read from, from Piper's book, that, that's prayer. That's, that's doing battle with the enemy that's, that's telling you lies, with the flesh that is coming at you, and, and, and the world that is coming in on you. That is an ongoing battle for the Christian. But the greatest thing about it is we've won. Jesus won the battle. He's won the war. We're just in the battle. So, can I invite you today to trust him? Not just that he saved you back then, but that his mercies are new every day. That his grace will be there for you tomorrow. That whatever you're worried about, go to the Bible, find you a promise. And renew your mind with that promise and watch how the anxiety is severed. Can I invite you to, to trust him? His mercies are new every day and invite you to step into the river of grace and begin to trust his promises, which are all, every single one of them, are yes in Jesus. They're yes in Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I just pray that for us who have been walking with God um, for a while, Lord, that we would enter in this ongoing conversation that our Lord and Savior desires to be with us and have with us. Go back, if we go, Lord, if we go back to Genesis 1, you walked and talked with your children. That's what you desire. Lord, I, I pray if anyone here is, has anxieties about what's about to happen today or a decision they have to make or or something they have to do where they're like, I'm just too weak to do it. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit will help them find a promise to hold on to and trust that that grace will be there when they arrive at that time. And Lord, if there's anybody here who has never put their trust in you, Father, I pray for them that, that your Holy Spirit will change their hearts so they may turn from trusting in themselves or whatever they may be trusting in and trust in you fully. Father, I pray that you would make that happen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.